0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our, on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. This morning, the first service was like, come on, guys, let's wake up, let's go. Man, you guys are raring to go already. You had your donuts and coffee. It's good. Oh, man, isn't God so good? Isn't he so sweet just to meet with us this morning? And thank you, Christian, for sharing that word. It's powerful. You know, we firmly believe that God still speaks through his people, that he still speaks prophetically through his people, through his church, and even through a rock. Um, you see, when the children of Israel were in the desert, there was a grumbling. I'm going to get into this message in a minute, but I just wanted to share this about the prophetic. Cause some of you may be saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know if I understand that, but in the desert, there was a rock and the people were thirsty. And so they came to Moses and they said, Moses, Moses. There's no water in this desert. All we see is rocks. And uh, Moses goes to the Lord. I'm paraphrasing. So please bear with me. But he goes to the Lord and he says, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're thirsty. We're out in the middle of the desert. What am I supposed to do? And and the Lord tells Moses, go to that rock, strike it, and water will come out of it. And you can fact check me later because I'm probably wrong, but I believe in Hebrews. It talks about this rock again. It says this rock was prophetic of Jesus that rock followed them along in the desert and gave them water, supplied them water, just like Jesus walks around. It was prophetic rock talking about how Jesus gives us the living water. Jesus said this, right? Believe in me and out of you will come what? Streams of living water. And so when you look in scripture, guys, if you open your Bibles up, it's so amazing. If you look in scripture, everything that was written is prophetic. It's a a declaring, it's God declaring what he's going to do through Jesus Christ. Everything in scripture is a type and a shadow of Jesus. If you look through it through that lens, you'll enjoy reading this thing. It won't be a boring, it'll be like, man, I'm learning more and more. And, And when you look through the Psalms, you're like, that's Jesus. When you look through the prophets, that's Jesus. When you look through even all the laws in Leviticus, if you can make it through that, you're like, man, that's Jesus. Just know that God still speaks, God still acts, the gifts are still active and working today, and His church uses them to proclaim God and Jesus throughout the world. So please be open to that this morning. And so I want to just open in prayer before I get into the message this morning, and I am going to talk about this rock a little bit, but I'm also going to talk about my story and how it ties into this message today. So Father God, I just pray. I thank you, God, right now. For this morning, God, I pray that every word I say would be your word. God, I need you. And Father, I pray that I would just speak only what you say. Lord, only what you want me to say. Lord, I pray for the ears today that they would hear what you're saying to them, Lord. That you would speak to them through your spirit. That you would invite them into your presence. God, I thank you for your sweet presence this morning. God, you are so good. You're good to meet us. You are kind to us. Even when we don't deserve it, God, you are kind to us and we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, anoint me now. Just preach this message in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So have you ever gone on vacation and just things didn't go the way you thought they should go? Everybody, right? It's like no vacation ever goes the way you plan it. Um, but in, in 20, um, and back in 2018, um, the summer of 2018, we took our kids to Corpus Christi. We thought that was going to be a great vacation for us. We planned it all out and, um, and just, it was going to be good. But right off the bat, there was problems right off the bat. Things didn't go according to plan. So we have a little, we had a little car back then. So we're like, this car is not going to take us to Corpus Christi. It's not going to be good. And so we go to a rental place. I'm not going to name the name. Um, we went to a rental place and we rented a car. It was very promising. It rolls up, this nice black Suburban, like blacked out, looking sweet. It's like, sweet, I got the good ride. They open it up, and the smell psh, hits me. And, not a, and it, it's a smell that you, some of you may recognize. Um, but I'm like, somebody's been partying in this thing. And I don't know if there's still some of this stuff in the Suburban or not, but I don't feel comfortable taking the Suburban. And the guy's like, what? He opened it up. I'm like, he goes, yeah, I kind of smell something. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel comfortable because lo and behold, you know what would happen? I'd be driving my sweet little family, this pastor, you know, and get pulled over. And then we get searched and we're on the news, you know, so it's like, it's not mine. You know, that's what they all say, right? It's not mine, not my car. but I told them, I was like, man, this isn't going to work. And so they, they said, okay. So it takes us about an hour and a half, two hours to get another vehicle. So they, they call us back. We get this Volkswagen Atlas. You know, they just come off the assembly line. Sweet thing. I'm like, this is kind of cool. My wife liked it. We even thought about buying one after driving it for a little while. But we get about halfway to Corpus Christi. And then all of a sudden, we just hear this horrible noise coming from underneath the vehicle. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And my wife's freaking out. And we thought, I thought we hit some, cause I was falling asleep. I thought we hit somebody. Like I woke up I was like, oh, did you kill somebody? What happened? You know, cause it was that loud and, and it was just, it was just crazy. And, uh, and so we pull over and I'm like, I don't, nothing got ran over. I don't know what's going on. I look underneath there. And so the, the little cover that goes, that guards the oil pan and stuff, it fell off, it fell off. The undercarriage, I think is what it's called. It falls off, and it was just dragging the ground, like making all kinds of ruckus and noise. I'm like, can we drive this thing? Is it okay to drive this thing? I don't know, you know? So we call the (laughs) rental place, and we tell them, hey, this vehicle, the underskirting's come off, and it's making noise. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Is it safe to drive this thing? And they said, well, I'll tell you what. There's an airport close by. Let's go by there, and then we'll get you another rental car there. Well, nearby was another 80 miles. So it was just this horrible noise all the way there. And I finally get tired of it. We stop. I just, I rip it off. I'm like, I just rip it off. Like, it's better now. Um, but we, we get there. And then it's like another two and a half hours for this other rental car. And you know what they gave me? A Dodge Caravan. Of all the things to give me. I know, Debbie, you drive a Dodge Caravan. I'm sorry. Yeah, not that again. But, you know, I'm trying to be cool, trying to, you know, take the family out and they give me a Dodge Caravan. It wasn't too bad. Um, but, you know, I'm like, really? They give me this thing. But, you know, it was faithful. It didn't fall apart. But, you know, so two and a half hours. And so now we're late. We were wanting to get to Corpus Christi before the sun, you know, before it got too dark so we could spend some time on the beach and, and uh, just spend some time as a family. But, you know, lo and behold, we're, now we're like four hours late than we're supposed to be. And we get to Corpus Christi, we're all excited because we've heard, people have told us stories, and these are this is a falsehood, I'm telling you right now. They said, you know, Waterburger number one's in Corpus Christi, right? It's the very first Whataburger. Some of you are excited about Whataburger, some of you are not. I'll be praying for you. Uh, but they said, it's the first one, and they have, a, they have what they call a secret menu there. And if you ask them about the secret menu, you can get anything they've ever made for all time. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. We've always heard. I don't know who told us this. I think I know. I'm going to go get them for that. But <laughs> So we show up. My family, they're all excited. They're going to go order stuff that hadn't been on the menu for a long time. And we get up. It's like, yeah, where's your secret menu? And they just kind of looked at us like we're stupid. And they're like, um, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, don't you have like a secret menu of all the stuff y'all used to have? And we can get anything we want here. And they're like, um, we have some merchandise in the back. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, okay. So I felt dumb going in and just, we were super excited. I mean, that was kind of the hi- that's how sad our family is. That was the highlight of our vacation, <laughs> was experiencing the secret menu at Whataburger and there wasn't one. Um, so just not as planned. Not as planned. And so that was a letdown. It was getting late. And we're like, okay, we're going to go to the hotel room. So we travel to the hotel room. We get settled in. And then late at night, the alarm goes off, the fire alarm. Whip, whip. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And so they, we call them. They come up, said, yeah, something's wrong. They were going to check it out. So they come. And when they look, they turn the light on. and They were adjusting it a little bit. Some bugs started coming out of the, the fire alarm. And... I noticed and I'm like, uh, that's not good. And the guy's like, oh, I was like, you seen something? He's like, yeah, I think I saw something. And so I go to the, the bathroom. I turn the light on and lo and behold, they're all over the sink. It's infested. And <laughs> I'm like, can we get another room? Because it's too late. We're not going to get another hotel. like, do you have another room? And they say, yeah, yeah, we'll work with this. So they told us the room. And basically it was the room right above the room we're in now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want far away from this room as possible. And so eventually they got us on the other side of the hotel and the room was fine after that. But it's funny, we plan these things out, but they never really go according to plan, do they? And sometimes it's a letdown. Now we can look back on it as a family and say, "We we have funny stories and it's a good time. But at the moment it was pretty stressful. It was like, why did we even try? Why did we even go on vacation? Every time we go on vacation, this happens. But I'm telling you, even in those moments, you can still find the good in it. And, you know, in our lives, we go through those moments where we plan these things out, our lives out, but it rarely goes according to plan. But we all know that God has a plan. Amen. Say this. God has a plan. He has a plan. Okay. He has a plan for you. And so how does this story tie into the the act story that we're going to read into? It has a lot to do with how it uh, ties in because Paul is on his way. To go speak to Caesar, he's he's pleaded his case to Caesar, and so they're taking him in chains across the sea to go see Caesar. But along the way, something happened that they weren't planning on, and we're going to read that. But I want you, I want to talk to you a little bit about through this story how it leads into my story, and I'm sharing my story with you, my testimony of how God used this storm in my life to bring me to where I'm at, and this this passage and this passage, and even this message is the very first message I preached as, this, as the, the leading pastor of this church four years ago. And when we got to it, God was saying, I want you to preach this again. I've changed some things around in it, but it's, it's, it was so momental, monumental in my life when I preached it because I didn't understand. Now I look back four years later, I'm like, wow, God had way more in plan than I thought. But now I look back and, and see God's goodness. in it. And I want you to know that God still works even in the hard things in our life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 27. Verse 13, Acts chapter 27, verse 13 is where I'm going to start. So a little backstory here. So Paul's on his way to Rome and he tells the captain, look, I know winter's coming. It looks good now, but don't go because if you leave now, we're going to get it, It's going to be bad. God told me, don't tell you. God told me to tell you, don't leave. But the captain being the captain said, I'm the captain. Who are you? You're a prisoner. I'm going to do what I think is best. And so that never leads to good things. So Acts 27, verse 13 is where we pick up the story. It is, so now when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, everything looks good, everything's perfect. They weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore, but soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cuda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison all the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest laid upon us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned." I want to focus in on verse 20. He says, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. You know, it's in those moments where all hope is lost. It's in those moments when all hope of being saved was abandoned. All hope of our lives being saved or or something good coming out of this is abandoned. That's when God shows up and does a miracle the most. It's in those moments where we give up that that we start to look up. It's those moments where we say, God, I can't do this anymore. He's like, finally, I can do something with this. And sometimes God has to get us to the end of our lives for him to start picking up the pieces of our lives. And and so he's saying this. He's saying, man, all hope is abandoned, but God had a plan. God had a plan. And so they are drifting away with no hope. They had no way to get back. They couldn't go back to where they came from. All they could do was just pray that something happened. And I want to tell you today, I want to ask you this question. Is your hope gone? If it is, good. Because that's right where God wants you to be. Because that's right where he meets us. And I'm telling you, when all your hope is gone, you're ripe for a miracle. Because here's the, here's the thing. At that moment, you start looking up. And you start asking God, I can't do this anymore. But God, you can do something. It, it's when we realize that, what can I do? When we say, God... What can you do? It's a surrender. It's a surrender to the wind like these guys had to do. They had to surrender. They started throwing everything overboard. Everything that was weighing them down, everything that was keeping them, that was going to help them basically sink because they were too weighed down in this storm. They had to get rid of it so that they could fight the waves. And so I want you to know that when you're in those moments, the best thing you can do is look up and let God do what he wants to do. And so here's the story of this rock. So in 2012, I went to, uh, to Honduras with a, with a group of people and they did this big crusade there, thousands of people. And on the way home, uh, I was sitting at the airport in San Pedro Sula. I don't know if it's an airport, it's like a shack basically, but uh, I was sitting in the airport at San Pedro Sula and I just felt deep in my heart saying, God said, I want you to plant a church. I said, okay. And i I went and talked to one of the guys that I was with, and I trusted him. I told him my story, and he's like, "You need to run with that." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know where to run." He's like, "You just need to run with it. Go ask God." And uh, and so I just held on to it. I held on to that word, and I and I said, "Okay, God, you want me to plant this church? You want me to to be a pastor?" Went, okay. At that point, I was still doing youth ministry. I was kind of doing a little bit of associate pastor work, but I never felt the burden to lead a church until then, and. I felt like God was wanting me to lead my own church and to plant a church. And so I just held on to that in 2012 and I pursued it with all of my heart. I went to all the conferences. I did all the things you're supposed to do as a church planner, but just nothing seemed to line up. Like I was doing all this work, but it was against the wind basically. And then in 2015, I went to a conference and the speaker was talking about building altars. And he was saying, whatever God has laid on your heart you need to build an altar around it and pray and seek the Lord and he will help you in that. And so the message was powerful. And there were at, the, at the altar, there were all these rocks. Some were small, some were larger. But I was feeling in my heart that God was saying, go grab a rock and write, because he asked you to write something that you're praying for on there and build an altar around it. Go up there and write church plant. And so I get up there, I grab the rock and I find the biggest one I could find. And I felt the weight of it. And I'm like, okay, so I write on there, green Sharpie church plant. It's still on here today. 2015, and I, I grabbed hold of this rock at that moment, and I started praying over this, and here it was, 2017, two years later, God, I'm no closer to, to having my own church, no, no closer to planning a church, no closer to the vision I felt that God given, had given to me. I felt actually farther away. Even though I was working harder toward it, it still wasn't happening. No doors are opening. They're actually closing. And my home church that I love so much was on the brink of shutting down. Financially, we were in a bind. Uh, The support I hoped that would come from, from my home church, they just weren't able to give it. And things were really rough. And so all hope seemed lost. But God has a plan. God has a plan. And so when you're in those moments when your plans aren't working out... You have to trust in God's plan and you have to say, God, what can I do? This is what you need to do. You need to look to the one who commands the wind and commands the waves and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in this, but I trust you. And in verse 21, you see them kind of giving way to the storm. It says, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me. I told you don't sail, but you're going to have your own way. Just like us, right? (laughs) You should have listened to me and, and set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. But yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Might want to underline that. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God had granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Paul was visited by an angel and he came to these men. They're fearing fearing for their lives. And he says, an angel of the Lord came to me whom I know, whom I serve, the God who knows me. And I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. That you guys are going to be okay. I'm going to be okay because he told me that I have to go before Caesar. And I want you to know when you're in a storm, when your life is just being shaken to its core, the only thing you can do at that moment, the only thing that you can grab onto is your testimony. This was my testimony. This was the thing that I was holding on to, saying, God, you called me to do this. This is what I believe firmly, what you asked me to do. So I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm not gonna give up. Paul knew that he was supposed to go to talk to Caesar. He was supposed to tell his case to Caesar and evangelize to the highest authority. Under heaven, besides Jesus at that moment. And he knew his destination. He knew his destiny. And I'm telling you, when you know your destiny, nothing can shake you. When you know your destination, nothing will get you down. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is, it doesn't matter how hard your life is going. It doesn't matter the doors that are shutting in your face. When you know your destination and you know your destiny, nothing can nothing's gonna get you. Nothing's gonna get you. It's your anchor. From when things go down, go bad. And, and it's not a denial of the things that we're going through. It's saying, yes, Lord, I know this is bad, but I also know your promises. Isaiah 43 is one of them. And in this letter, love letter from Isaiah to the, church, for, to the people of Israel, God's speaking through Isaiah. He's prophesying to the people, and he's saying this, but now, oh, Jacob, you may just enter your own name in there. Listen to the Lord who created you. Oh, Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have bought you. I have paid for you. I have called you by name. Remember what Paul said? The God whom I know. God knows your name. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe knows your name. In fact, He's got a name that you don't even know written for you in heaven. It says in Revelation, he has a a white stone he writes your name on that only you know and only he knows. He knows your name. He knows you by name. He says, you are mine. Paul said, the God whom I belong, right? You need to maybe remind yourself of that. That God knows my name and I belong to him. Therefore, and here's the therefore right now, I've called you by name. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Paul and them were in deep waters. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And he reminds him, I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. See, God never says that we're not going to go through these things. He actually says, yeah, you're going to go through these things. You might as well expect it. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through oppression. You're going to go through deep waters. You're going to go through troubles. But he's saying, I'm going to be with you in those things. And not only that, you're not going to drown and you're not going to burn up. I'm with you. You can walk through these things. We can do these things together because I am your God. God has a plan even in those most difficult moments. It's through the storms and the fires. It's through the hard times that God does his best work. We can have this hope <laughs> that we will not be touched by any storm because we know our destiny. You know, there was another storm in the Bible where the disciples are in this boat and they're trying to get across the Sea of Galilee. And there's a great storm and they're freaking out. They're, they're doing all they can. They're trying to get the sails right and the rudders right. And they're screaming and they don't know what to do. And they're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And he's on the bow sleeping with a pillow. And they yell at Jesus, do you not care we're gonna die? Jesus gets up and says, What's wrong with you guys? Oh, you have little faith. He gets up and he says, Peace be still. Storm calms. And goes, the guys are like, Who's this guy that can even command the wind and the waves? And they obey. Why did Jesus say, Oh, you have little faith? I mean, they were in a storm. They were going through things and it was a real battle. But Jesus knew his destination. He knew that he wasn't gonna be taken out by a storm. Jesus knew what he had to do. He had to go to the cross. And because he knew his final destination, because he knew his destiny, no matter what happened before that destiny, didn't affect him. And I'm telling you, when you know your destiny and you know your destination, it doesn't matter the detours that come into your life. Just like our little trip, you know, those things were a hindrance and those things were a bother to us, but we still got there. Now, we didn't get there when we wanted to, but we still got there and God's got a destination and a destiny for you and he will get you there. And sometimes the detours in your life are there to teach you a lesson. To help you for when you get to that moment and be strong enough to handle what he wants to give to you. So don't let the detours of life keep you from your destiny. Don't let the detours that you go through, the things that seem to hinder you and the, uh, the roadblocks keep you from moving forward and giving up. and giving, giving. Don't give up. God has a plan. You just have to trust it. Do you know your destiny? This has kept my eyes on Jesus. When I wanted to give up, when things weren't happening, I went back to my testimony. I went back to my anchor. And I said, Lord, you laid this on my heart. I'm believing in it with all of my heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. I know the destiny you have for me. And it pulled me through. Because I knew that even though the doors were shutting, things weren't lining up the way I wanted, God was doing something in me. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. And now I've come to ask God, why isn't this happening? Instead of asking those questions, all the why questions, because we get good at that, right? God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why can't I get this break? Why are they getting that break and I'm not getting a break? They don't even love you, Jesus. Amen to that, right? Instead of asking all the why questions, I started asking all the what questions. God, what are you doing in this moment? God, what are you wanting to do in my life right now? God, what do I need to do in light of all this stuff? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in their life? What do you want to do in his life? It's, it's, it's from going from the why questions to the what questions. It's because we know our destiny and we know our destination. And if you are saved by grace and you've given your life to Jesus, you know your destiny. It's heaven. It's in the presence of God forever. So what on earth can happen to you here? Throw on the detours, throw the roadblocks. I don't care. I know my destiny. Nothing's going to keep me from worshiping and giving up. And the problem, guys, is we want all the things that God gives us without taking the package that it comes in. What do I mean by that? Romans eight twenty eight. In this passage, Paul writes to the Roman church, and he's telling them about all the suffering that they're going through. And he reminds them of this. You're going through all this stuff, but we know that God causes everything to work together. <laughs> really? This pain doesn't feel like God's working something through it. For the good. To those who love God, do you love God this morning? Amen. A couple more this this service. That's good. <laughs> do you love God? If you love God and you're called according to his purpose, then he's going to work things out for you and you're good. That's a promise. But he says, but often we want the good without the package that it comes in. We want joy without trials. God, just give me all the joy, but I don't want to have to go through anything to get there. God, give me grace, but I don't want to forgive people, right? We want the grace without forgiveness. Give me grace, but I can't, don't give them grace. We want peace without any storms in our life. But I'm telling you, the best, package, the best gifts I've ever gotten were in really bad packages. When my kids were little, they'd bring me some really bad packages. They would try to wrap it, and it would just look pathetic, but it was beautiful to me. But the gift in it was amazing as well. And God so often gives you so many gifts in bad, package, in bad packaging until you open it up and you realize, and you get through that package, and you realize the gift in it. That's the beauty in it. And so many of us need to get through the package because we just keep looking at the package going... That's just a rock or that's, that's just another pain. That's just another roadblock. That's just another door. That's the package. That's not the gift. You need to go through that package. You need to get through it to see what's in it. So don't give up, accept the package and the gift. Cause that's when God does his best work is when you're in that storm, you need to open the package. And here's the problem. We often fail to let God work. Because we're always looking for a way out of the very storm that he put us in to get us to where he wants us to go. God will send storms your way to move you into his grace. But often we try to get out of them because it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel right. It goes against every grain of our being. But it's saying, that's not what I created you for. That's not what I made you for. I have so much better for you in your life. Why are you chasing these things? I'm bringing you back to who I am that's my God. That's what he does. Just like these guys in verse 27, we pick it up and he goes, when the 14th night had come, we were being driven across the Adriatic sea about midnight. The sailors suspected that they were nearing land. And so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms a little further. They took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms and fearing that we might run on the rocks. They let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Man, do we do that? Storm comes in our life. We just drop all the anchors and we're gone. God, please get me out of this. Let me survive it. And he's like, I'm I'm just going to make it stronger. (laughs) And that's what these guys did. Waiting for daylight. Waiting for it to pass. But it didn't. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boats into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on this ship, you cannot be saved. Paul said, you gonna listen to me now? The Lord says, if these guys leave, everybody's in peril. They're gonna die. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. I'm telling you guys, you need to cut the life rafts in your life sometimes because you want to escape things that God is actually using to bring you to a new place. Paul was in this boat. Nothing he did wrong. He told them, look, I get on this boat, we're gonna, it's going to be bad. He was in the circumstances of other people's decisions, but in that place, he had to choose to stay and let God work even in that place. And, and those people that were, those, those soldiers and sailors were trying to get out of the situation that they had put themselves in, but God wasn't done working yet. And he says, guys, if you get in that lifeboat, you're going to die and we're going to die. And so the centurion said, I'm going to listen to you now, Paul. So they cut the life ropes, cut the life rafts, and they had no choice but to stay. And I'm telling you, the best thing you can do sometimes in your life is cut the life rafts and give in and let God do his work. Because that's what happened to me. I was on my way out, man. Like I said, the, the, the church wasn't doing well. In 2017, I was trying to, to plan a church. Things weren't going well. I was biding my escape plan. Now I look back and I know it was an escape plan because I didn't want to deal with it. I was tired of it, didn't want to deal with it, felt like there's nothing left. I was caught in the middle. It was an escape plan. The Lord didn't let me leave. (laughs) Because it's the fear. Man, fear drives us to do so many things. It was fear of the unknown. It was fear of, man, God, I don't know if I can do this or not. And we want to jump, and we want to jump ship when things come our way that we don't understand. But I'm telling you you need to cut off every alternative and lean into what God's doing. Cut the ropes and trust in God's plan for your life. I mean, it just seemed right, 2017, my kids had graduated, all high school, they weren't going to college. Um, everything looked promising. The winds looked good, right? There's this nice south wind blowing, basically, like in this story. Everything looked promising for me. I'm like, okay, the tide's up. We're going to leave. But the Lord brought a storm because he knew where he wanted me to be. And to stay for those guys was an act of faith in the boat. They really didn't know who this God was. They knew who served, like who, who served him, Paul. And they knew that Paul so far hadn't let him down, but they had to, Act in faith, even though they were unbelievers at that moment, to believe in what Paul said. And to stay in that boat was a huge act of faith because it seemed better for them to jump in the life rafts and leave. And for you to stay in the boat, to stay in the vessel that God has placed you in right now is the best thing that you can do. And it's the greatest act of faith that you can do. Like I said, in 2018, things were really bad. 2017, I was trying to get out. 2018 wasn't any better. Like I said, financially, it was rough. Uh, we had stopped taking pay, and we, and it was just, it was just really bad. Things were not well. And then in 2018, my pastor came to me in, in, in June of 2018. My spiritual father, and the man that lived this church for many years, he said, "Man, I'm just done. I don't know what to do anymore, and I don't have the answers. And I think the Lord's leaving me on to something else. And would you like to take this church over?" And I very quickly told him, "No, I don't." said, so God told me to plant a church. I got the rock. He says, church plant. You know, I got these plans, you know? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. And uh, But then I, I got out of his office, and the Lord checked me, and I turned around and I said, you know, I'm going to give God a chance. He said, give me a month. And just let me take a month off, and I'll go pray about it and see what the Lord says, and then I'll get back to you. Just took the whole month off, didn't come to church, nothing. Just stayed home, went to other churches. And, and just prayed, and I said, "God, what do you want to do here? Because I, I want out. I want to. I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do this. I wanted to jump in the life raft and leave, because I didn't believe that God could do anything with it. But we know what. God has a plan. <laughs> God has a huge plan. The Lord is patient." See, we have our own desires, but God's desires for us are not, most of the time, not the same. He's patient with me. And I came back and I said, give me a month off. Let me see God. But deep down, I knew what he wanted me to do. Deep down, I know that God had been preparing me for this. The pastor had been preparing me for this. Everybody knew except for me. (laughs) Because here's the thing. The storm looked too big. The waves seem too high and the obstacles too big. And so some of you today, you may be in this position, not as a church pastor, but you're wanting to jump ship. Your marriage is falling apart and you don't know what to do. So you just want to get out of the the closest ship you can find to get out of it. Your jobs are are not working out the way you're supposed to. The careers or maybe your business decisions, those things aren't working out and you're just wanting to get off the ship and you want to jump on a life raft and you want to leave And I want you to know today, right now, that God's saying, stay on the vessel. Stay on the boat. Trust where He's taking you. He's teaching you lessons along the way, and He wants to do something in your life. Ride the storm out and see where it takes you. Don't give up because it's hard. So you say, okay, I'll ride the storm. Now what? <laughs> so in verse 33, we see what happens. So as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to all take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have not, that you've continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food. Come on, guys. It's been two weeks. You haven't ate nothing. You need to eat. For it will be good for your strength, for not a hair is to perish from your head or any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread I love his attitude and giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. And now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. They said, all right, there's the sea, there's the shore. They're cutting the anchors. They're letting the the ocean take them where they needed to go. And at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. They had no control of the vessel. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. All full ahead. They thought they were good. But then striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground and the bow stuck and remained immovable. And the stern was being broken up by the ground. By the surf, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. Least any should swim away and escape. Paul is one of these prisoners, okay? We got to kill these guys because they're going to escape if they get out of here. But the centurion, remember the guy that Paul's been talking to, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought back safely to land. (laughs) Notice Paul, what he's doing here. He says this, it's time to eat. <laughs> Gain your strength and get ready for the place he's sending you. And so many of us, we don't take the time to let God strengthen us in our storm. Because we're so worried about the storm instead of worrying about where the storm is taking us, like I said. And we're caught up in the moment and we don't sit down and, and, and let God into our lives you got to gain strength or you're, when you get to the part where God is taking you to, you're going to drown. You're not going to be strong enough to get there. And I noticed that in that, that whole month that I was praying and fasting and seeking the Lord and if casting every fleece, you know, to cast. I mean, I would be like, okay, God, if it rains on this side of my house and not this side of my house, then I'll do it. God, if this bird flies by and, you know, eats this thing, then, you know, anything I could think of. But God never did it because deep down I knew He had already cast the fleece. I just, he already answered. I just didn't want to answer it. And so it was in that month that God started changing me and started working on me, started keeping, helping me to be strong enough to when I got to the shore that I can handle it. And I love Paul's response when he was said to go eat. He takes the bread and he gives thanks. He gives thanks in the middle of a powerful storm. He gets thanks when he doesn't know anything, but he does know that God is God. And the rest of the men around them are encouraged. See, it's in this thankfulness, in the midst of our storm, that we are able to continue on. And so many of us, we get caught up in the storm and we we fail to be thankful that God is still God, even in the storm. Thankfulness in our trials is the bread that sustains us in it. Let me say that again. Thankfulness in our trials, in our storms, in the things in our life that we don't understand is the bread that sustains us. If you're not being thankful in those moments, you're going to be weak and you're going to be powerless. It's when you can only praise God and give thanks when those things are hard and the storm is blowing the strongest. That's when you allow that God's strong enough to do anything he wants. And you say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. During that month, I would sit on my front porch and I would pray and I would have, we have a little chimney on the front porch and I'd burn some wood with it. And I would just sit out there and I'd listen to worship music. And in my heart, I was just deep with sorrow. because I felt maybe I could do something different or not have this thing happen. And I was really battling with depression and anxiety at that moment as well. And many nights, I would just sit out there just crying and praying and, and seeking God and looking up at the stars and just really seeking God and praising God and worshiping God and, and and being thankful for my family and During that month, we weren't really doing anything financially, so we were kind of hard off there too and so it was it was in that month, that season of waiting and that season of, of being thankful and that season of really reflecting on what God was doing. That's when God did the strongest work in my life. And for you, maybe that's what you need to do is just take some time and be thankful for the prom- for the, for the promises that has given you. Even if the storm is blowing. Even if it seems like your vessel is going to crash, give thanks to God. If nothing else that your eternity's stuck and, and it's, it's set. But so often we give up, and we don't have the strength to swim to shore. Christian, if you want to come up, I'm going to close this way. During this time between 2017 and 2018, just a little story about God's faithfulness, because I think somebody needs to hear this today. We would go out here, and me and Lee and a couple other guys, even our previous pastor would go out and we'd pray on Monday mornings over here, drive-through prayer. So we'd get out here really early, kids dropping, moms and dads dropping kids off at school, and we'd just pray for them, love on them, give them coffee, all this stuff. And, uh, and one day I was just out there, it was just me by myself, I'm like, God, why am I even doing this? There's nobody out here. We're like, it's cold, it's early, I wanna be home in bed. And financially it was just really rough for us. And I'm like, God, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I just need you to provide. And I heard that moment in my head saying, I just heard him saying, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. I got this. And I'll go, God, you got to prove it because I don't feel like it right now. (laughs) And then God did. An hour later, this guy pulls up and this pickup and he's like, hey man, what are you doing out here? It's like, I'm I'm just praying for people. I'm just, you know, trying to be out here and love the community. He says, hey, I'm going to a meeting with some missionaries in India. They're helping get women out of the sex trade. And he goes, I I need to have some wisdom. So would you pray for me with that? I said, yeah, so I'll pray with him, And he said, hey man, why are you doing this? Well, just out here trying to pray. And he says, well, i want to pray for you. And he prays for me. It was good. And I thought that was it. So he he goes to leave, he circles back around. He comes back around, he stops. He looks at me, he rolls down the window on the pastor's side and he stretches his arm out. And he says, hey, Jehovah Jireh. And he gives me a hundred bucks. That, it could have been five bucks. And he gives me a business card. And he didn't say nothing else. He just said, Jehovah Jireh. I just felt like I needed to say that, say that to you. And drove off. God is faithful. God will provide. You just got to trust him. Even in the storms, God provides. So many stories I could tell you about God's goodness. But like I said, so often we don't want to be we don't want to take the package that the good things come in. But we got we to gotta take the package. So in 2018, the month passed, I felt in my heart I needed to take it. So one last fleece, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to do this. She's like, I don't want you to. I'm like, I know. I don't want to either. But I said, okay, God, if one person votes no, there's no way I'm going to be the pastor here. So they call the meeting together, everybody gets in here, and it was 100%. And like we walked outside, like five seconds later, they're like, You can come back in now, we decided. I like, Man. <laughs> I'm like, Ah. And so the very first message I preached as the lead pastor was out of this passage. And I brought my rock, and I said, You know, my whole life I felt like I was supposed to plan a church, but really God was planning me. And, and not only that, that because of this, you know, we've, Iron Faith Biker Church, they, this is their second full year of being a a, a full-blown church. And we helped launch that out of this church. And I I believe that God wants to do more of that through us. That in this building today, maybe, I don't know where you're at, that there's people that God is wanting to send out to plant there's people that God has wanted to send out to help other churches and other organizations and other ministries. And I pray that we can be that to the community, that God will use us in that capacity. And, and, and so I put my rock down, and said, okay, I'm planted it here, guys. And then in 2020, nobody wants to remember that date, but in 2020, we changed the name to Waterhouse Church. And that's a big, long story. I can tell you about that as well. It's pretty awesome. But I wrote on this rock, Exodus 17. I wrote on here, Exodus 17. And Exodus 17 is about the story of Moses and the rock where God tells him to hit the rock and water come out. And when I wrote that down, I'm like, God, out of the hardest places, In my life, He brought water. Out of the the hardest soil that I thought would never do anything, God brought living water. Out of this body, out of this church, out of this community, and out of my life. I'm telling you, out of the hardest places of your life, God can bring water. Out of the deepest, driest place that you think is dead and gone, God can bring something miraculous and beautiful through. If you allow him. But you gotta keep the faith, you gotta let the storm do its job, and you gotta let him be God. Amen. So I wanna close this way, thanking the prayer team to come up. I don't know where you're at today, I don't know if it was his prophetic word this morning, the worship, the message, maybe just walking through the door and feeling the Spirit. I don't know where you're at today, but God does. And so I would just simply ask you this morning while he leads us in this last song to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me today? And then I would encourage you to come get prayer with some of our prayer team staff. They love you. These people are safe. They want to help you. They want to touch God with you. They want to pray with you. So I don't know, maybe you're the guy that's been putting the anchors out and you've been telling God, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. You're like Lieutenant Dan, right? You'll never sink this boat. <laughs> Cut the anchors. Let God work. Some of you are maybe wanting to jump on the raft, raft, the life rafts. It's hard to say this morning. Cut that. Don't give in. Stay on the vessel God puts you on because he's bringing it to something good. Some of you just need to be thankful in your storm. That's the best thing you can do because in that thankfulness, we get sustained. Like I said, thankfulness, worship, praise is the bread that sustains us when we're weak. Some of the sweetest moments I had with God during that month was sitting on the front porch. He just washed over me, he reminded me of his goodness and his love and his mercy and his kindness. I would sit there and cry, overwhelmed by who he is. And today, maybe you just need to sit here and cry and be overwhelmed by who he is because he's good and he loves you. So I want you to stand. Father, God, you know what these people need today. God, I'm done, <laughs> but Lord, you're still ministering. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these people, Lord. You know what they need, Lord. I pray that you would urge them to come get prayed for today. Lord, if they need healing, that they would come. God, if they need a miracle, that they can come. God, this is a house of miracles. And God, we proclaim that in Jesus' name. Lord, if they need a miracle, let them come today. God, if they just need encouragement, let them come today. God, if they just need to lay it all at your feet and give it up today. Lord, I pray that they give it up. Lord, if they need to surrender their life to you, I pray that they would come and surrender their life to you, Jesus, the king of our souls, the master of our destinies, the one who created it all, the one who knows it all, the one who loves us more than anyone else, and the one who gave himself up for us as a ransom. You bought us, you paid for us, Jesus, with the cross. You paid our price. You felt our pain. You cried every tear. You cried, you you felt every pain, God, because you love us, Jesus. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that somebody today would come to faith in you, Jesus. It's by your Holy Spirit that you do this. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.